Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. If you're looking for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style, Empowerography would love to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners, Quartz and Canary Jewelry and Wellness Company. Please use code EMPOWER15 to receive 15% off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com. Quartz and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello there, Brad Walsher, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Melissa Keenan. She is an intuitive intimacy expert for the top 1% of high-powered female CEOs. She is also a CEO herself, a keynote speaker, and an international and USA Today bestselling author. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. It is an honor and a pleasure to have you here, and I'm looking forward to jumping in and having you share your story and, and your journey with us here on the Empowerography podcast. I appreciate you taking and making the time. I'm so glad to be here, Brad. <laughs> so let's jump right in. As mentioned, all of those hats that you're wearing, as well, your mother. How long have you been an intuitive intimacy expert? You know, I think the answer to that is born with. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> something like intimacy, you know, really in its purest form, I don't think it's something you can learn in books or something that you can, it's a way of being that you activate in yourself. And so I believe I've been doing this literally since I was born, which as a kid, I always felt really uncomfortable because I wanted to go to the depths with people and I always made people uncomfortable. And so I felt like something was wrong with me much of you know, youth for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, you know, actively doing this, supporting people the last four years. Okay. So for those that might not know what is, and what does an intuitive intimacy expert do? So I kind of came up with this title on my own because it was, you know, trying to describe the changes that I see in my clients and what I really see them walking away with. And it's this whole all-encompassing approach to intimacy. So often we think of intimacy, we immediately think of physical intimacy, an important aspect of intimacy, but it's not all of it. And so it's this ability, I, I support clients to see themselves on deeper levels, emotionally, mentally, physically, even spiritually. So the process first starts with them doing that with themselves, which is into me see. I I love that. To me, that is such a perfect descriptor for what intimacy really feels like and looks like. And then as they do that, they're able to then do that with another, you know, and that looks different, right? In different relationships. A romantic partner is going to have that aspect. And then, you know, even in their teams, even in their friendships, even amongst their extended family members, how they are connected 
connecting and relating in their relationships. And actually it has this ability to sort of transcend how you look at every part of your life, even how you relate with nature, how you relate with your home, everything. That is so powerful and so beautiful. Can you talk a bit about how the intimacy part of it factors into the work you do with your clients and why is this a focal point of the work you do with them? So something that people don't often make a connection with is that our intimacy is deeply connected to our creativity, our leadership, and our money. And so if you know anything about energy systems and you know about chakras, this is a real easy concept to grasp because all of those things reside in your sacral chakra. If we were going to look at it even from you know a more surface level view, it's clearly if you're lit up and turned on in your relationships, you're going to be lit up and turned on in your business. Right. right? Yeah. That doesn't take rocket science. But you know, even Napoleon Hill brought this up in Think and Grow Rich, chapter eleven is so have you read that before, Brad? No, I have not. Okay. Think and Grow Rich, you know, is such a classic, right? And there is one chapter in there where he kind of almost feels like he's diverging from the whole topic of the entire book and has this chapter about sex and the correlation to success. And so I always encourage people go back. And then the other thing to know is you might go to your book and find that that chapter is not there because in the last about 30 years or so, they started omitting the chapter Uh from like your current prints of the book because it was, it felt (laughs) jarring. The first time I read it, I was like, what the crap is he talking about? I have no (laughs) idea. I loved everything else in the book. I'm just going to skip past this chapter, you know, so go back and, and look for that chapter. Okay. Well, I will definitely put that book on my list of books to check out for sure. And yes. keep an eye out for chapter 11. Hopefully I get the copy that it's not been omitted from. Yes. <laughs> now, why have you decided to focus your business on working with the top 1% of high powered female CEOs in particular? You know, I have found that there are certain patterns that repeat among these women. And I feel that I I owe it to them. I understand them and I want to support them above all because they are the leaders of our society. I see that these women, because we still live in a misogynistic society and, and we still are dealing with a of patriarchy that has existed. I see that when women really excel and become an outlier in whatever their field is, it's like they all of a sudden have a target on their back more than others. And as a result, they are hurt more often. And then they feel the need to, and sometimes have no choice, but to wall up and become like a badass. Right. And we talk about this like bitchy CEO, right. And so many women, there's this judgment around this bitchy CEO, but I think most often the woman who we would describe as the bitchy CEO is thinking, what choice did I have? I knew who I was supposed to serve, how I was supposed to serve, how big I could make this thing. And I had to do whatever it takes to make a seat at the table for myself. And so this work is kind of helping her now employ these other aspects of herself that she has felt like are too scary to bring forward. And in many cases they are, but it's like learning to be more skillful so that she can experience a fulfillment in her life. Because while she may have created all this success over here, if her personal relationships are also so um, thriving and fulfilling for her. She's not really enjoying what she's created. Yeah. She's not a well-rounded 
woman because there's not that same success over here in her relationships. It's, it's a different world over here. You know, it is. And I also would like tread lightly on that because mm. the other thing about these women is that they have felt so judged, so put in boxes by everyone. You know, everyone yeah. wants to put the finger at her. And it's almost like because she created the success, now everyone just feels permission to yeah. point the finger at her and tell her, I mean, you know, some of my clients is ridiculous, Brad, like uh, they, they will have random people from their audience, like uh, find their phone number, you know, by being a creeper and Googling and whatever, and call them up and tell them, I don't think you should be running your business the way you're doing it. And, you know, people are too dependent on you and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like, really? like it's insane. Saying, yeah. Or, you know, or other uh, women that I've worked with where it's like, oh, I was very vulnerable with these people who were my clients, literally someone who was her client who then turned around and, and threatened a ransom over her head. I will divulge the things you shared with me, or you will pay me X amount of dollars. Something like this is happening. And no, and you know, these women, of course, are not talking about it no. because it's like, I got, now I got to just wall up more, wall up more. Like, where can I put in more protections and stuff? And and so I just want to tread really lightly when we say, you know, she's not well-rounded because she's going to take that as a criticism and it's not. No, that's what, not how I meant it at all. I know, I know you don't, Brad. And anybody that knows you and listens to you knows that you, you are like the uh, champion of women. <laughs> but that's but crazy that these women are dealing with this bullshit mm-hmm. because they're and successful. They're getting for- called it. Because here's the other thing too, Brad, is guess where most of that criticism is coming from? Other women. Yes. It's not, um, yes. It's not often coming from men. Very rarely is it coming from men. It's coming from other women. And so I think it's so important that we have these conversations because yeah. we need to be looking at ourselves and going, oh, wait, have I been that woman? Yeah, I, I can yeah, tell yeah. you my hand is up. I have until I saw it and I really realized, wait a second. You know, I've never met a high powered female CEO who's in it for herself. I haven't, I haven't yet. You know, now talked with thousands of women. I've never met one because she starts something because her heart is on fire about it and she can see how she can help people. And then that doesn't make any sense. Does it? Then she elevates herself to this position of impact and work her ass off and and, and, yeah, yeah, puts in all the work. And that's, and it's ridiculous. You know, I've, I've seen that coming from corporate, the corporate world. I saw a lot of that cattiness among women and, you know, I often have thought about this and wondered, and I've talked to many, many women about it and, and asked this question. And usually it's the same answer where, why do you think that this is happening among women? And most of the women will tell me that it's because women have been kept down and not had, there's not been enough seats at the boardroom table for them to take. So they have to fight for them which then in, in, it brings in this whole competition mindset and the cattiness and all the other bullshit that goes along with it. Instead of celebrating and lifting one another up, which you would think that women should be doing, but if you've had to fight for those spots for so long, you've been conditioned to do this, what other alternative is there? You have to fight for that and protect yourself. You have to go after what you want. But I have to say though, since I left corporate, I have seen a bit of a shift. I don't think we're anywhere near where we need to be with this, but I have seen a shift, a 180 where women are now supporting one another like fucking crazy. And it's beautiful to see. Like I'm seeing that within my community and I'm seeing even collaborations and whatnot outside of the community as a result of what's been built here within the community. And that is what is beautiful to see. And that is what it's all 
all about supporting and lifting one another up instead of fighting with each other and all of that bullshit that goes along with that. And I think at the core of that is that we're terrified. We haven't experienced true safety. And I think that's part of why this intimacy work is so important because it's a creating of a safety for yourself, a creating of a trust within yourself, trusting your own heart's desires, trusting your emotion system, trusting yourself to follow through, you know, all of these things. And, but more than anything, your desires in your heart, that's a huge piece of the work that I do. But I think we haven't experienced that safety outside of ourselves. And so we have to start to create it from within because really only confident and, and truly elevated women who have elevated themselves from the inside out can turn and honestly look another woman in the eye and support her. Otherwise, she's just terrified. Yeah. You know, I never, thing. I never looked at that, the intimacy aspect of that. And I think it's brilliant. I think the work you're doing is amazing. That is huge. And now that we're talking about this and I know a bit about who you are and what you do, it, it all makes sense. Like it's so perfectly in tune with, with what we're talking about here today and appropriate for what we're talking about. I think it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And it's so necessary, truly. So why did you decide to focus your energy and business on helping to empower women? Did some of this journey or did part of this journey begin with some of your own personal struggles? Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think it actually goes back a little further than that. My whole feminine lineage on both my mom and dad's side have been women who have experienced some of the hardest things that life could possibly throw at someone and who in so many ways weren't ever able to access their true power. It makes me emotional. Like (laughs) every time that I, I feel them with me often. And when I think about them and I think about their story. I've known almost since birth that I was brought to this earth to change our family's story, but that didn't come from them. You know, even my own mother, my grandmothers died with their, you know, difficulties and uh, disempowerment. And, and, you know, many of my family members are judging me, you know, I'm a victim of that very thing I described, Yeah, but that has fueled a fire in me. And then going through the life that I have gone through up to this point, I had a very difficult childhood. Both my parents were addicts of different kinds and adultery and violence and abuse and abandonment. And my dad passed away when I was 12 of cancer and my mom lost custody of me in court. I had to testify against her in court, you know, and with my aunt and uncle and, and then married very early. I didn't think I wanted a family actually all through high school. I, I told myself, I'm just going to be career oriented. Yeah. And I think unconsciously I, I was thinking, I just don't want to screw up like other people's lives, the way that people have like messed with me and caused me so much pain. And, but I joined the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints when I was 18 and a huge tenant of that faith. And I still belong to that faith is family. And it really changed my heart and mind. And I think that it was the first time that I, I thought maybe there's hope, 
maybe yeah. like I could have a different family than the family that I had growing up, you know, and a different experience. And so super young, I was 20 when my husband and I got married and we started having children right away, had three children every two years, a baby was born. And <laughs> at the third child, she was two months old. My marriage was dangling from a thread and yeah. And I was going oh crap, like I'm repeating exactly what I didn't want to repeat. And my husband and I separated for about six months where basically all of my life really like smacked me in the face. And I realized I had a ton of trauma to work through and I didn't know how to mend a marriage. I didn't really know how to be a wife. I really didn't know how to be a mother. I was like 26, you know? Yeah. And so it was a big reality check and it was a big wake up call for me. And I think from that moment is when I really knew I was going to change massively and it was going to cause a ripple effect. And I didn't know how, but I was like, I'll be damned if this continues, this is not going to be my story, you know? And I remember one day in particular where I was so just beside myself, I I call that six months, the six months I cried on my bathroom floor because that's literally all I remember doing, um, you know, between like changing diapers of three toddler. (laughs) And I had this moment where I felt to chop off all my hair and I took my own scissors and I chopped off all my hair in the bathroom and I was just crying. And then I basically like in a prayer said, I don't have any answers. And I felt like God said, finally, now I can show you who you really are. And that was the big wake up call. Like, oh, wait a minute. I had been trying so hard to live in all these boxes, like what the world told me would make a woman happy. Right. And it was like, oh no, it doesn't come from any of that stuff. I have to figure it out on my own. Wow. That is one hell of a story. And I'm I'm sure there's a hell of a lot more detail in there, but wow. So how then, Melissa, have these experiences help shape the Melissa you are today, both personally and professionally, do you think? Hmm, that's a good question. I mean, because so many ways, right? Yeah. But, you know, to sort of tie up that story, my husband did move back in and mm. we did really mend things. And it took probably another two and a half years of trial and error and so much up and down like mess. But I remember a moment of looking at him and saying, oh my gosh, I feel so connected to you. And I didn't know that connection could feel like this. I actually never seen a married couple like this, like this that we have. I didn't know it existed. And it was like, this is what women need to know. Cause I had surrounded myself by so many women who basically felt like we had been fed a lie about right. what marriage could be. And so, you know, so that was definitely the beginning of me really feeling like women need to know that they can have their heart's <laughs> desire, yeah. you know, so, so much. And also the freedom that I found in myself when I allowed myself to be fully seen and fully heard and fully transparent. I spent the first five years at least of my marriage thinking if my husband really knew me, if anyone really knew me, they would not love me. And carrying that around is like carrying a dagger. And what I found was that 
there was no amount of darkness that I carried could make my husband, you know, run from me. And I found the same to be true of him. And it was like, oh my gosh, I really know this person. I know his weaknesses. I know his strengths. I know everything. And it was this new, like depth of love. Like a rebirth. Yeah, exactly. So that became like my marching orders for my life. It was like, I want to feel this connected, this scene, this transparent with every aspect of my life, you know, with, like I said, with nature, with my children, every way that I possibly can. And, and people who can't hang. (laughs) Okay. Cause I'm like, I'm finding those people who can, you know, in so friendships have changed, Mm -hmm. you know, so much has changed. Well, as they say, your vibe attracts your tribe, right? And for those that don't want to be part of that or can't hang, as you say, then there's the door. No problem. No hard feelings. We're, We're not for everybody. You know what I mean? Like you find those people, like I said, your vibe attracts your tribe. So you find your people and you surround yourself with those people. I think everybody deserves to feel like that in their lives. We only get one shot at this life. So why wouldn't you want to feel that way throughout your life? It's, we all deserve that. We're all deserving of it, right? It's, it's so important. Now, I'm going to assume here that you are an assume. I know I shouldn't really assume, but I think I'm pretty bang on with this one. You are a big advocate of self-love, body acceptance, women's empowerment, all of that stuff that goes along with all of that. So can you speak a little bit about what each of those things means to you on a personal level? Mm, Yeah, I, so all of those things kind of feel like are so overused that Mm -hmm. (laughs) kind of watered down, but yet they are so important at the core. One of the biggest things that I teach is Mm self-compassion and typically high level business women really, really rebel against this one. So it comes (laughs) a little like later in the container with me because I literally have her speak to herself, speak to her sadnesses, and it can be framed in different ways. The way that I most resonate with personally is I speak to my inner child and I speak to her like the mother that she never had. And so, you know, when I find, I mean, literally this is how this sounds and we think this sounds like weakness, but it feels absolutely empowering. Like for instance, if I was really looking forward to a certain woman signing up in my program and for whatever reason, she just it's like, no, now's not the time or it's not a fit or whatever. I like love people so much, you know, like I love on them. And yeah. so when that happens, a lot of times I feel deep disappointment. Mm-hmm. And so I give myself space and time. I go, I put my hand on my heart and I say things like, you're sad, huh? Like you're sad <laughs> about the connection that you could have had, the ways you could have helped her. You, you know, you're sad that she's sad and that, you know, she said no to these parts of herself that she really wants. And I have these conversations with myself <laughs> and it feel right. <laughs> And most of us think, oh my gosh, that would slow me down. Like, Mm -hmm. no, I don't have time for that or whatever. Or or how often we we tell ourselves, why do you feel that way? Like, stop feeling that way, you know? Snap Uh, out of it. Come on. Exactly. So that's a big, you know, I would say, 
constant practice, at least weekly practice that I'm engaged in with myself of uh, having a self-compassion conversation and in in self-love. And I think empowerment is really interesting, Brad, you know, and you're so big on empowerment and our empowerography. Uh, Did I say that right? Yeah, you did. You did. You got it. I'm proud of you. Kudos. (laughs) Golf clap. I love it. So I think that that conversation is so important because, you know, this aha didn't come to me until within the last year. We all know if you've done any level of of personal development and you've done the mindset work and stuff, you know that you have messages in your mind that are lies that you tell yourself that you suck and you can't do stuff right not good enough, or you're too much for people, or you're, you know, bound to be alone forever, or you can't trust people, right? The list goes on and on. Something's wrong with you, whatever. And we have those messages, but it wasn't until this year that it really occurred to me. One of the biggest reasons that we have those voices is because, especially as women, from the moment we open our eyes, it's like, here's how you're supposed to be. And here's how you're probably going to fall short. And you should, 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 and also try hard harder. And also you're probably still not going to hit the mark, but just keep trying and spend the whole, your whole life trying like a desperate, you know, idiot running around trying to be something, not even sure what the thing is like it is not ours. These voices are not ours. And so when I think women's empowerment, I think it's, um, it's really recognizing on a deep, deep level that like, this is not actually my belief. It was, it was like imposed on me. Yes. And so then like, it just opens up so much Mm. possibility, like what else could be true for me then? And else could be possible for me. Often with business women, I see this a lot where they'll say, I'm happy to never have a partner. I'm happy alone. Or, you know, they'll come to me and they're with a partner who is clearly not their match. Like someone who hasn't worked a day in their life, mooches off all her money. You know, some of these things, I do see these in patterns. And, and it's fascinating to me because we talk a lot about empowerment in the workplace, but we don't talk a lot about empowerment in the matters of our heart. And most often when I talk to any one of those kind of women, there's some part of her heart that she's had to put to rest. She just had to just say, just stop, stop wanting that because this is as good as it's going to get. And that, that is disempowerment just as much as any other disempowerment because she deserves to have the love that she wants. Women, I mean, it all speaks to the whole conditioning bullshit. And this is how you've got to live your life. And this is the path you've got to take. And, but it's bullshit. You don't, you don't have to take that path. And you can, like women for so long were told that you either choose a family or a career. Complete bullshit. You can have it all. It is completely 100% possible. But that conditioning has been bred into women, which is horrible. So it's hard to break that cycle. But once that cycle is able to be broken, it's like complete freedom. And hey, wait a minute, I can do this. And then this starts the domino effect where they see some women doing it. Hey, wait a minute, if she can do it, so can I. And then it just keeps going and keeps going. So we just have to keep perpetuating that and keep putting that out there and keep that moving forward so that women do see 
other women doing it and realize that it's possible for them too. And then for the woman listening, because then there's like this double-edged sword thing that's a part of this conversation, which is that women also feel pressure to do it all and have yeah. it all. Yes. Never let you sweat. That's a quote from Brene Brown. And, and so it's this double-edged sword because the other side of that is if you really want it all and you're courageous enough to pursue it all, you also have to be courageous enough to listen to your nose, to really, uh, you know, in that place, there's also, it's also possible to be truly happy and feel very free and not feel completely, you know, overburdened and resentful because you are now doing it all and trying not to let everyone see you sweat. It's, it's total BS, you know? Yes, you can have it all and you do not have to do it all. Definitely not. But again, (laughs) that speaks to the conditioning where women have been told or women are just naturally nurturers and they put themselves on the back burner and everybody else goes before them, their kids, their husband, their partner, their friends, their all of the things, right? So it is, it's a very fine line that women have to walk and that's horrible. It shouldn't be that way. I think it goes, you know, even, even further than that too, Brad, because when I suggest what about a housekeeper? You wouldn't believe how many women are like, well, I can't do that. You know, what would my mother think? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or literally, you know, she does hire somebody to come in. She hires a chef to come in and make all her family's meals. And can you imagine the gossip that's spreading in her community? Because yeah. So she again, doesn't cook her own meals. Yeah. Yes. Like, what's wrong with her? She can't even cook her yeah. own meals. Like, or she can't even, um, you know, clean her own house or whatever. What is wrong with her? She can't lift a finger or whatever. And because again, all those pressures and things and that stuff is real. So I think, you know, when we talk about women being that full, whole version of herself, she knows that she has to learn to be a fighter. And we've all seen that, right? The women who really triumph and succeed have to learn to be a fighter and they do it well. But then it also, it sets her free to realize that she doesn't have to be that in all settings of her life. For sure. So this is a great segue into something you had previously mentioned in in and around this question is the buzzwords and watered down. And so with this massive explosion of social media platforms and all the people that are on them in the world today, and I mean, in your personal opinion, how has that impacted this whole conversation around women's empowerment and self-love and body acceptance. And do you feel that it has taken things in a direction where those words don't truly, I know you mentioned it briefly, but they don't truly hold the meaning that is really there and what's at the center of those words anymore because they've been so watered down, overused because of social media? Yeah, I do. And, you know, but has it really helped in the long run? Yeah, I think that too. I've met with some women who randomly, who knows how, stumble across my work from third world countries and, you know, and they're sitting and they're listening to every word about how to be a wife. And it sounds so different than what they have ever seen. And so, you know, it's like it clearly us being more globally connected is a benefit worldwide for women everywhere. But yeah, I think so. You know, the other piece is there's so much BS training out there for business people about don't give them your best in your marketing and things like that. Just give them a little bit. So then 
everybody just goes on a little bit. Those people who never can invest in themselves or maybe never will invest in themselves and they're taking the breadcrumbs from wherever they can and then they're trying to apply it and then they're back to square one. Like, well, what's wrong with me? Why isn't this working? This must be bull crap. But it's because they haven't really, really received the full story on yeah. it, right? So I think, you know, that's a, that's a factor too. Yeah. So being an advocate for women and women's empowerment, what do you do to empower yourself and other women? I have a couple of different, I guess, answers to that. In my business, it's important to me that people can access really quality resources and things for free, even if, you know, they will never work with me. And I also work with women for a hundred K like, you know, so. I think that that's really important to me and doing things like this podcast so people can hear and be re-inspired matters to me. And certainly working with high-level business women is the intention there is that as she really changes from the inside out, as she really begins to fully embrace herself from the inside out on that deep level, it's going to have a much bigger ripple effect than it would have if I was working with someone who didn't have much contact with many other people in their day-to-day. And then, you know, when it comes to myself, I guess a practice that has been really important to me in continuing to empower myself when those voices get really, really loud, because definitely they do, I'm not immune, is having strong community around me. And I do this with my clients too, but I'll have us write a support list. And I have one in a box right here next to my desk. I have a self-care box that, that I don't probably utilize as much as I used to in times when I was struggling more, but it's still there when I need it. And in there, there's a list of support people. And this is such an, a good exercise for a woman to do is write out all the people in your life that you can go to for support. Because when we get into those, we'll call them like triggered states, yeah. it's real easy to immediately think, and I have no one, like yeah. all this stuff is happening and there's no one for me to turn to. Mm-hmm. And so we don't, we don't ask for help. We don't let people know. We cry in, in secret in our closets and don't let people know that we're hurting and stuff. And all of that are just huge barriers to that connection that we crave. Right? Yeah. So it's, it's simple, right? It's even being able to distinguish the difference between, you know, I may call on auntie so-and-so to help babysit my kids if I need something, but I'm probably not going to talk to her about some of the stuff I'm going through. She doesn't get it. She's going to minimize or she's going to ask me or whatever. But then, you know, then I know I've got my, you know, my best friend, Kelsey, that I can call and I can call her for anything day or night. I I could talk to her about anything. And then there's even people like, you know, who can I call that I know would be willing to bring a meal if my family has the flu? (laughs) Who do I call when the pipes break and I don't have time to figure out a plumber and I want it, right? (laughs) And so having that list is really, really crucial. You write it when you're not triggered and then you can rely on it when you are. For sure. I'm curious, you being a mother, you have four children. Yeah, Three, four. four. Yes. So how do you empower your children and how do you empower son versus daughter? Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting question. The story comes to mind right away of my 12 year old who my daughter, my oldest a couple months ago was just having some big emotion, which is sort of the theme of being 12 and being a girl. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
big, big emotions, like, you know, overwhelming, bigger than she's ever felt before. And, (laughs) and one day in particular, she was about to just like, like go isolate herself. And I kind of, you know, coerced her into staying and talking to me. And we had this whole conversation where, you know, she cried and then she even screamed into the pillow and had her tantrum and stuff. And that's work that I do too. Like I literally like encourage that. Yeah. And then I looked at the clock and I was like, oh, wow. You know, we've got 15 minutes before you've got to be at your church activity. And she looks at me kind of like, oh, crap. And I said, well, what do you feel like you most need? Like, you know, you know, if it would be in the greatest service of your highest and greatest good to stay home and rest, or maybe it would be great for you to go and, you know, kind of get out of this environment and connect with your friends and stuff. And, and she decided on her own to stay home and rest. And it felt like a huge win as a mother, because you can bet nobody ever had a conversation like that with me. It was like, always just push through whatever you have to do to push through and save face and show up. You're going and and that's it. (laughs) Yeah. And that was the big win was like, look at you made it through that or whatever. She knew that what she needed was to rest. And I was like, oh, I'm doing something right. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And my son, you know, it, it, I, I do feel a little, it's a little puzzling with my son. My husband and I are often having these conversations because he's a very tender little guy. And this year he's been dealing with a lot of bullying in his class. And, and so we find ourselves like, he must be confused because we find ourselves on the one hand saying like, tell me how you feel. And, and he'll express his feelings and everything. And then on the next hand, we're like, you know, you know, if somebody is doing this much to you, you should, you can stand up for yourself. Yeah. And I, you would not be in trouble from us if you got suspended for pushing back or for hitting back yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. At some point, you got to stand up for yourself. Yes, absolutely. So, the poor little guy, you know, I hope we're doing the right thing with him because I only ever saw boys and my husband was only raised with, you know, the whole like, pardon my French, but don't no, be a okay. pussy, right? Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. Just uh, man up all the time. And I don't want my son raised in, in that, that that's not even masculine. That's toxic masculinity. Yeah. yeah. And, but yet at the same time, I want him to know his masculine energy and know that his confidence and that he can, you know, depend on himself. And so, yeah, we're, we're, you know, as it is, with a parent, you're just always trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kids don't come with a manual. So it's like exactly. on, on the job training, right? You just yeah. figure it out as you go. So speaking of empowerment, what does that word mean to you? Empowerment. I think it's the probably at its most service level, just the ability to do whatever you want to do. The ability, you know, the know-how, the ability to access the know-how and the skills and the resources to do whatever it is that you want to do. And I could go deeper on that. Should I? (laughs) Up to you. Go right ahead. Feel free if you'd like. If you don't, that's okay. It's up to you. I found in my own personal life that that can also be kind of a slippery slope. Because because there's still all these subliminal messages that something's innately wrong with women and you have to do everything you can to fix yourself and whatever, this empowerment thing 
can push us into our masculine energy because we become addicted to achievement and accomplishment and proving ourselves and finding our worth through the actions that we take and the reactions that we that we get out of those actions rather than actually just finding our innate worth that just is that just exists regardless of what we are doing or not doing at any given time and so you know one of the biggest things that I I'm working on with in my current life and that I often I'm working on with clients is this idea of just because you can do it doesn't necessarily mean you should do it. And that's where this intimacy piece of really tapping into your heart. What does your heart want in all of this is so important because I believe our desires guide us to our deepest fulfillment and our greatest purpose on the planet. When we follow that heart space, it's like, oh, like I can do this thing and it lights me up, then I should definitely do this thing. I can do thing and like mm, the process doesn't excite me at all but like the accolades afterwards like that's exciting that's where some red flags go yeah yeah for sure i want to speak a little bit about the landscape of women in entrepreneurship and women run businesses what are your thoughts on the landscape in terms of how much it's changed let's say over the past decade even or even actually we could even break that down a bit more over the last two years even What are your thoughts on how it's changed and what you've seen? About women's ability to be business owners and or call in large amounts of money and stuff. Is that kind of what you mean? More women jumping into the entrepreneurship pool instead of staying stuck in that corporate bullshit where they're told to be this way and you have to be that way and all of that crap. And they're getting tired of it and saying, you know what? No, I'm not doing that. I'm making my moves And I'm going to become, if you're not going to give me a seat at the boardroom table, fuck it, I'm making my own table. And that that's what I mean. What are your thoughts on how much that has shifted and what you've seen? I think it's fantastic. And I also think we have a long way to go because, you know, even for me in the last four years of uh, opening my business and running my business, we're still approaching the whole thing from the masculine energy standpoint. And so, you know, I mean, I can't tell you how many different slimy, salesy things I have been taught and tried because I am very good at being a good student. Like I know how to do what people tell me to do and and then recognizing what the crap, this is not the way, and this is not the way that I want to be. And this is not who I am. And and so, so I I think it's challenging. And I see so, so many women going at it alone because they don't know how to link arms and build collaborations or partnerships or, you know, or, or referrals or even affiliate stuff like that kind of teaching didn't come to me until much, much later in the game, how much easier it would be if we could start having those conversations with budding business owners, but instead they're just shoved all this like mass marketing, all this stuff. And it just becomes a different version of hustle where now you're worth I have to say, I hate that word. I cannot stand that word. Right? Hustle. I know. Now you've become your a worse version uh, than the boss before you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Boss of yourself. And so not having a focus on the internal side of things is really a huge detriment, I think, to to these women. Because we yeah. all have 
gifts. I mean, I every I meet women, you know, just like you, Brad, every day yeah. I'm meeting women who have amazing gifts and talents. And, you know, and you can see how she's been trained and what she, you know, how far down this road has she has she gone and what and what has she had to sacrifice to get to where she's at. And and so, yeah, I definitely think we still have a long way to go with that. For sure. 100%. At least, though, we can say that the wheels have started turning. But yes, we have a hell of a journey ahead. Like the road is long and hard ahead of us for sure. And one more thing I would say to that too, I did a poll recently among six and seven figure business women about how many of their business investments were masculine energy and how many were feminine energy. And I'm not talking about she hired men or she hired women. I'm talking about the structure of the thing that she invested in. Was it innately about her internal landscape, about, you know, helping her as a whole being that there's nothing wrong with her and there's nothing for her to change and the wisdom is within her. That's a feminine energy. you know, things like, uh, you know, maybe energy work or Reiki or, or, you know, intimacy or, you know, know, working on herself as a whole being, those are feminine energy investments where masculine energy investments are our strategies, our tools, our systems, even hiring supports like team members and things like that. And of these women, 90% said that 90 to 100% of their business investments had all been in masculine energy. Yeah. We don't have an understanding. And then when you talk to women who do feminine energy investments, it is like, oh, you know, gosh, I, cause I run an interview series and, and some of the women there who it's like, yes. And I also homeschool my kids on the beach and <laughs> I work four hours a day and I take Fridays off and one, right. And I have a lovely relationship with my partner and I, yeah. And did I mention that I've made eight figures last year and (laughs) (laughs) all of the things that's the friggin' difference. And people are not seeing that. It's like Mm. you you hit a glass ceiling and that happens over and over in business. You hit a glass ceiling in your business and you think, well, I haven't tried that strategy yet. You know, I really haven't delved into email affiliate marketing. You know, I never did try the podcasting strategy. Uh, Maybe that's the thing I need to do. This guy over here says if he builds my funnel, you know, I didn't try that yet. And at some point you have to go, oh my gosh, I do not need another strategy, another tool. I need to just work with my inner landscape, my inner knowing. And I have all the brilliance already here within me. Yeah, for sure. So what do you think is the most significant barrier to female leadership? Hmm. That's a really good question. I want to say like, the judgments, I want to say, it's the pressures. It's, uh, I want to say, it's all the shoulds. I want to say, it's the patriarchy. And then I want to say, it's our own internal misogyny. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so, so many things. There's so many things. But at the end of the day, I know that she is the gatekeeper for her own brilliant, no matter what, you know, I've worked with women in marriages where she has felt totally caged by her husband. And every time I am there saying, you hold the key at any moment, you can free yourself from the situation. You hold the key, no matter what the circumstances that we find ourselves in, we, at the end of the day, are the gatekeepers. It's just, it's just, have we, have we been given, have we ever even been told the brilliance that's within us. 
Um, and then if we have, have we been given the, the tools and the support that we need to unlock what's truly within us? So I, I don't know if that, that was a pretty scattered answer. Oh, that's okay. There's so many things. There are many answers yeah. to that, to that question. A friend of mine, a good friend of mine reminds me quite often that we are human beings, not human doings. And she tells me very often because we'll have conversations and I'll be like, Oh, I got to get this done. I got to do this. I got to Brad, stop. You are a human being, not a human doing. So why is it so important then for seven figure entrepreneurs, seven figure women entrepreneurs to have that mindset shift from human doing to human being? It's so huge. I think probably every seven-figure businesswoman recognizes at some point in her journey to her success that she is not her business. And and we've got to detach from that, right? What is the statistic? Like a millionaire will go bankrupt seven times before really hitting it big. So at some point, you got to detach from that stuff, right? But I think on an even deeper level, this is so vital for her to experience the true fulfillment that she wants in her relationships. You know, if I am unable to really meet my husband in that present way, I can't have sex with him. I don't feel fulfilled. All of a sudden our partnership becomes about like who's doing what and tip to tap all of that. Right. And then how I approach my kids. And then all of a sudden it's like life becomes all the joy gets sucked out somehow and you forget your why of why you were even there in the first place, why you're even doing what you were doing in the first place. Like we were not born as human beings to make a paycheck for heaven's sakes. We are made for so much more. And I would argue we're not even here just so that we can impact other people because there's so much emphasis on that. And, And that's great. Serving others is wonderful and matters, But we are worthy and whole and wonderful just as we are. And when we go too long without experiencing that, when we don't have that as a constant in our everyday experience, it can literally shut us down entirely, which could mean the detriment of our entire business and everything we've worked so hard to create. It's so important. For sure. So as mentioned, you are an award-winning number one international and USA Today bestselling author. Can you tell us a bit about the book you wrote and what inspired you to become an author? Was writing something you've always done? Has it always been part of who you are as Melissa or was this a new, like a fairly new path for you? I have always written. I have kept a journal since I was very young and I think many, many times it saved me from trying to leave this life, given everything that I went through. I did have a time when my uncle found my journal and cussed me out big time for what I had written and stuff. But thankfully, I just got smarter and hid my journal and didn't stop journaling because it truly was my lifeline. You know, again, like I was living such a double life, like trying so hard to be so perfect on the outside. My journal was full of all the F words and every dark thing you could imagine. (laughs) You know, and he just responded the way he knew how, which was to chew me out and tell me it was bad. Yeah. (laughs) Instead of, you know, maybe seeing it as a cry for help. Yeah. But anyway, so I have always, always loved writing and I've always wanted to, to write a book. 
And I was so, so thrilled when I met Adriana Monique Alvarez. And so I've actually done two book collaborations with her. And the first was The Younger Self Letters, Mm -hmm. where I shared a story that I probably have had practice sharing that story, maybe a hundred times, that story that I, I shared in there. And the reason is because every single time I tell it, I heal a little bit more from what happened to me. And so that was so healing and amazing. And then so cool to hit the USA Today bestseller list. That's huge. And the second book that I was a part of, Uncensored, Untamed, Unleashed, I, my husband and I actually wrote our chapter together. Oh, very cool. Yes. Which was a big surprise. He was like, I want to be a part of this with you. And so you get this beautiful back and forth dynamic of, you know, how I see things, how he sees things. And we talk about intimacy and it's, it's, a really beautiful chapter and and pretty vulnerable too. So that was a lot of fun. And then I actually am going to be in the upcoming Younger Self Letters number two uh, later this year. Awesome. Congratulations. Melissa, what do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? Vulnerability is a huge superpower of mine. I also believe that I'm an anchor for feminine energy and divine feminine on the planet. Intimacy, I also believe is a gift. And along with that connection, which I just learned, like really was validated through body of nine, Susan and Martin's super cool system. If you haven't, yes. are you, what, what one are you, Brad? Four. I'm a four. Oh, cool. That's why we get along so well. <laughs> My husband's a four. <laughs> okay. There you go. There you go. Yeah. And then also my tenacity. It's funny because these things are, are shadow and light, but my desire to be the best and my desire to never be told no and to, um, to fight hard for whatever I want. And I also will say that I love being seen. I have always loved being on stages. I've always loved speaking. I did two years of speech in junior high. Like, so yeah, that, that combination. So speaking of success, what does that word mean to you? How do you define success? I think success is when you are truly full from the inside out and it's measured in moments where you feel connected to the truth of who you really are. And those moments come in all kinds, some of the most simple places and then some of the most really profound places when I, you know, sell my most daring ask and I get a yes is one example. And also when I am walking barefoot in my front yard and I take the time to pause and relax my feet and actually stop feeling pain on the rocks and things like that's another example, Yeah, like staring at the freckles in my kids' faces and seeing their delight over the most ridiculous things <laughs> and, you know, watching my garden grow and hearing my rooster in the mornings. I think it's a being state. Beautiful. Hey, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions, just be one, two, three, four, four word answer type thing. Okay. What is your favorite word? Intimacy. If you could have one superhero superpower, what would that be? Flying. What was your dream job as a child? To be a doctor. How would you describe yourself in one word? Tall. <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost six feet tall, Brad. <laughs> All right. 
that works and that makes sense. Would you rather have more time or more money? Both. You can only pick one. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, test you. More money. More money. If you came with a warning label, what would yours say? We'll ask you to go deeper than you've ever gone before. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Their worth. Worth of a soul. What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? Hmm. My children to be whole and happy as adults. What is one of your favorite entrepreneurial books? Mm-hmm. Favorite entrepreneurial books? I don't read entrepreneurial books. <laughs> All right. One of your favorite self-help books then, we'll say. One that I am loving lately is Red Volations by Sarah Beek. Okay. What does the best version of Melissa look like when you close your eyes and imagine it? Mm, she's fearless. She's very confident in her message. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? Oh, Mother Teresa. She doesn't have to be alive yet anymore, right? No, no. <laughs> Mother Teresa, 100%. Okay. What is your why? It's pretty deep. I want women to listen to that inner voice because I think that they are a huge part of the new world that we're creating. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? You still loved. Powerful. Lastly, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, your corner of the world, your tribe, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What would you say? What words of wisdom would you impart and leave them with? I think I would actually direct it to my daughters and it would be just as applicable to women mm-hmm. everywhere, Okay, which would be, first it would be, it's not man's fault. So receive your men. And then it would be, and then receive yourself, just fully receive all of you because it's wonderful. Beautiful. And so powerful. Melissa, thank you so much for taking the time to be here with me today. This has been an incredibly beautiful, insightful, inspirational conversation. I've loved every minute of it. And I appreciate you so much and all the work you're doing. Keep shining your bright, beautiful light onto the world and sharing your wisdom and and all of your knowledge with all of the women that you work with and just continue lighting up the world with all of that. I am so honored and happy to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. And I mean that with all of my heart. It has been such a pleasure. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Brad. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Melissa Keenan. She is an intuitive intimacy expert for the top 1% of high-powered female CEOs. She is also a CEO, a keynote speaker, and an international and USA Today bestselling author. Thank you so much, Melissa. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thank you. Bye. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.